in, in, in relationship is because there's something else that's taken place. Something else is like you, in other words, you've got a driver inside of you. Okay. A, which we call desire, right? You have this desire to achieve this desire to do these different things, but there's something that happens when you take that desire and you put it under the father, God. Okay? When you take that whole thing, that drive, I want to do this, I want to do that, and he's like, I want you to too, but I want you to come into subjection to me. I want you to take all those desires and all, those, all that drive that you have in you to do this and to do that, and I want you to put it under my will for your life. And when you do that, he gives you this power to break through things because there's resistance. Has anyone noticed? I want to do this, resistance. I want to do that to the point of, I'd like to sow a seed in the backyard. Resistance. From where? From the earth itself, resisting you. No, I'm going to bring a weed. No, I'm going to bring a bird to eat that seed. No, I'm going to do this. No, it's just going to dry up and there'll be no rain. No, 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 no. Resistance is in the soul realm. You can sense it. I'm going to make a million dollars. No, you're not. Here comes the government. Here comes another comp competitor. Here comes this or that. Here comes an unexpected expense. Resist, 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 right? So we try to take everything we can in our soul to fight it. I'm going to be strong. You know, we have athletes that represent strength, right? You look at an athlete. What do they do? They overcome gravity, for goodness sake. They can jump. They can fly. They can do crazy stuff that no one can do because they represent power on the earth to demolish your enemies, okay? That's the way it is. Government's the same way. Who's the strongest government? We're the most peaceful government. How's that? Because we crush anyone who comes against us. Why is the United States the most powerful country? Not because we're the nicest. We crush anything that comes against us. We crush them. We demolish them. We have, we have legends of our special forces where they can literally take out entire camps. We have our own mighty men, just like David had his mighty men. Because in the world... It's about who has the most power to destroy and who has the most power to break through that resistance that's coming against you. That's the soul. That's the world that you live in. So here comes Jesus doo, 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 into this world filled with wicked men, resistance everywhere. Nobody's, nobody, you know, people are talking about him. And, and Jesus is like, I just do the will of my father. Anything I see him do, I do. That's all I'm doing. And then, where, and then what does he do? Raises the dead, makes blind people see, makes money appear in a fish's mouth, goes through a wall, walks on water, feeds 5,000 people with just a couple fish and some bread. He does all this kind of weird stuff. He's not using the same techniques that we saw. He's using something completely different and it looks really, really weird. <laughs> but people are like, why, how can he do this? Remember what they said about Jesus? Remember when he was on the, on the water and the storms came and he rebuked it. And they said, even the, even the storms obey him. How did he do it though? He said, I only do what I see my father do. You see, so this desire to excel, to exceed, to break through, to be strong, to take your soul, you know? And then sometimes we just do that and say, it's God. Well, no, it's not God until you submit yourself to God. You can't just go through and say, I'm going to dominate and destroy all of my competition in the name of the Lord. Well, you just tacked on the name of the Lord to your will. 
So Jesus says you always start in first position. Remember what I always say about first position? <laughs> How do I know something is of God? Well, what's the first position? Is it love and is it submission to the will of the Father? Because we always say like, okay, I have some ideas, Lord. All right, we talk to him about our ideas, okay? And he says, they're interesting. Until we ask him, what do you think? <laughs> but, but a lot of people, they're smart enough. They're not, I don't even ask them. You should, you should. Well, what if he says no? Wouldn't you be glad to know that he said no? No, don't do that. Why not? It's not going to work out like you think. Oh, okay. Then I won't do that. Anytime. And it, listen, this is, much, this is what happens when we grow in our relationship with God, is that we learn through experience that when he says no or yes, a lot of times he, doesn't, he says whatever you think. He's told me many times. I'm like, what about this? He goes, whatever you say it is. That's what it'll be. I said, oh, okay. But we grew to that. We grew to that. That didn't just happen. There was a lot of times where I had ideas. I had to, you had to train your soul. My soul said, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do the other thing. And then like you just ask your spirit, like you just go in the spirit and look, you know the answer right away. And you're just like, nah, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah, but it could work. Maybe it would. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it would work and you'd be pretty miserable down the line because it worked so well, but it took you in this direction when I wanted you to go in this direction. You see, God knows he's the master of time and space. We're the master of listening, if we will. <laughs> you're either listening to your soul or you're listening to the Father, okay? When there's an agitation in you, that's your soul. Something you're doing is agitating. When you're in the spirit, there's a peace and a rest. Just ask God, what is it? What is it? And he'll say, most of the time I ask him, what is it? He goes, it's your soul. I'm like, okay. So I say, peace to my soul, peace. And I put it under subjection. You won't understand, soul, that part of you. You won't understand coming into subjection to the will of the Father. This is that part. Remember what Jesus, he is the firstborn from, of many brothers, which includes sisters. In the Bible, sons of God are male and female sons. So it doesn't have to do with your, your gender. It has to do with being a son of God, in other words, in direct line. You know why that's important? Because there's no different privilege between male and female. We're all sons of God. Does that make sense? So we're all in his kingdom as direct heirs of the kingdom. Okay. So in this process of ruling and reigning in life, because the Bible talks about us ruling and reigning in life through Christ, in this process of ruling and reigning in Christ, there is this discipline that takes place, this training that takes place where we learn to put aside uh, false things, things that aren't birthed in the heart of God, things that are just coming out of our own imagination through vanity or through greed or through envy or whatever. They, they're not sourced in God and they can't ever be made holy. They didn't come from him. They need to be discarded. <laughs> you know, don't take your, you know, like I use the example of a cat bringing, bringing you like a bird that it just killed, you know, and you're like, well, that's nice. You know, it, you can't do that with God. You can't take some, some bird that you just killed and give it to God and be like, look, God, look what I gave you. God will be like, that's cute. Get rid of that. Put that out in the yard. <laughs> you know, that needs to go out. Right. So there are certain things in our lives that as we submit to God's will, 
there's things that we'll see that we had that really were not that important. They just weren't. They weren't a big deal. Um, and we can just safely move on. We don't have to, we don't have to, you know, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you said, I wanted this, I want that, I want the other thing, and I don't, I, and, you're, and you don't say, I don't care, you just ignore. You just ignore the Lord. You, just don't, you don't like say no, you're just like, oh, was the Lord talking on it here? I'm all right. He knows you heard him. You can't pretend. You can't play that game with him. He knows you heard him. You can do that with people, but you can't do that with God. He hears you. He knows your heart. <laughs> people try that with him. I'm like, he know he he can hear you. <laughs> you can't pretend with him when you're like, oh no, I'm doing what God said. I've had many times where I did that. I'd be like, yes, Lord, I'm doing exactly what you said. And the Lord's like, I didn't tell you to do that. It's in the Bible. Yeah, but that wasn't, I didn't ask you to do that specifically right now. You know, one of the reasons why, and this gets back to what I started with, one of the reasons why is we've replaced it with something else. We've replaced that union with God with some other inferior thing. Maybe it's vacations. Maybe it's, do you know what I'm saying? God loves our vacations. He thinks vacations are great. He goes on vacations. He, ta- he goes out on boats all the time. He loves boats, right? Loves the water. Lo- but what happens is, is that our, our little engine of desire in us has been moving into different directions. And so as we sit in the Father's love and his desire becomes our desire, then everything else kind of rests underneath that. Does that make sense? It rests underneath that. So yeah, we enjoy our life. God want, God gave you this life to enjoy. That's the whole reason you have it, by the way. Why do I have this life? So that you would enjoy it. Why am I on the earth? He gave you good things to enjoy. Good things to enjoy in him. Not separated from him. In him. Okay. Sometimes people have a hard time with that because they have this idea that there's this spiritual thing and then there's this, this earthly thing and they're not connected in any way. But in reality, when we take things and put them in the heart of the Father, he, all of the things that he made are to be made to be enjoyed in him, including our very work that we do. Our work can be enjoyed in the Lord. You can be in the Spirit when you're working. You can be in the Spirit when you're doing things that we think are just trivial things. You can be like dishes, like laundry, like whatever you're doing, you can be in the Spirit. And I've had times, too, where I'm just doing regular things and all of a sudden, I'm just there's a song coming from within my spirit, and I, it's it's song of praise to the Lord. It's just coming right up out of me, and I'm like, oh, that's why there's a song there. I'm teaching myself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I'm learning just by doing normal stuff. It's there, you know. So we're learning these things. God is showing us that um, we men separated things. Men said. If you want to do something holy, you go to this building. You listen to this person. You do this thing. And that's holy. But if you're doing this, it's not. And, and what that's done is it's perverted what God intended. God always intended to make his home in us. And man had a hard time with that. And some men wanted money. <laughs> And they saw it as a means of making money. And so they said, let's make a place that is a holy place that you go to. And that's the only thing that's holy, right? That doesn't mean we don't have a place where we gather around the word of God. That's different. You know what I'm saying? You gather around the word, you gather around worship, that's good. 
but do not make a mistake that that place is holier than another place. It, the time might be because you said it was. The time is holy because you called it holy. So these are just things to think about in our kind of learning about what God has brought into, into us is that there is this submission that does take place to the will of the Father. There is a submission. There is a Jesus learned just like we did through the things he experienced. And it says he suffered. Well, don't talk about suffering, Jamin. We're talking about blessing today, being blessed. Well, he suffered. How did he suffer? Because he became obedient to, to the Father's will. Does God want us to have nice things? Yes, he does. But there are sometimes things in our lives that are interfering. And um, I remember, and I don't mean like you, because we let them. <laughs> Nothing can separate us from the love of God, but our focus can be off. And when we lose that focus, then we're not as aware of what God's doing. So let me show you a couple scriptures here. Um, all right, we'll start with some things here. Um, you know, we know the, you know, the scripture in the garden when he was in the garden and Jesus, you know, said, not my will, but your will be done. You know, he said that of, to the father. And we know that there were things, um, that he had to learn. The Bible says that he grew in favor with God and man. That means that there was a maturing that took place in Jesus as well, where he grew you know, he, he, he grew in favor. So he grew in his, you know, uh, where he is in his life. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't just, the reason it says that it, it wasn't like Jesus just arrived and that he's already there, you know, cause sometimes people will think that like there's Jesus and then he, he arrived and now he's, uh, he's already there. He's already arrived at his, uh, where he's supposed to be. Well, no, he had to grow just like us, you know, his, his earth, his, his public ministry didn't begin until he was 30. Well, that was 30 years of private ministry, right? So remember that. You know, I think a lot of times people feel like, you know, if you're in ministry, it's supposed to be public. Well, Jesus' public ministry was only three and a half years, you know? So not all ministry is necessarily supposed to be public. It's true, you know. Well, how are you going to get people saved? Well, Prayer, you can pray for people, you know. That actually does do something. <laughs> it's, so, it's so silly. We, we emphasize certain things and we de-emphasize other things when we do that. But prayer is important. Spending time with the Lord. You know how much you can get done in, in one small area? Just, just a couple people. It doesn't take a lot to change an entire region. It doesn't. When Jesus sent them out, he didn't say, I'm sending you out by hundreds. We'll have a praise and worship leader. We'll have a, a teaching pastor for the children, a teaching pastor for the adults. We'll have, um, you know, different age grouped groups. And, um, and then this person here is an engineer and they'll build all of your buildings. He said, go out by twos 
two. You'd send two, okay? There's nothing wrong with sending them out by hundreds, because that's how they do it now, by the way. That's, that's, that's what they do. And it's usually off of another church, and they send a hundred out to make another church. So nothing wrong with that. I'm just letting you know, like, if we lean so much on our soul, or what we call the arm of the flesh, we're missing where our real power comes from. Our real power didn't come from creating franchises. Our power came from the Spirit. And I think that there's going to be a big, big wake up in the American church. And it's going to be a shake. So just if anybody hears this message, when the shake happens, just know God knew about this before. He didn't want us to make franchises. He wanted us to make disciples. You're not going to make a disciple by franchising out like McDonald's. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And you know what? They know it doesn't work. But it looks good. So we go out two by two, right? That's how we did it. He sent them out, you know, and he sent out the, he had a, he had a dozen men, Jesus did, okay? So what I'm, but the point is this, you can do a lot with a little. He can do a lot. He said he can save with many, he can save with a few. That's what, that's what God said in the scriptures. He said, I can save with many or I can save with a few. It doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care. <laughs> Are you enjoying it? Yes. You know? But there are certain ones that are called to do certain things a certain way. So you just do that thing and just enjoy the Lord in it. Because, you know, when you're doing something that isn't the Lord, how many people know this? You can just say, nod your head. When you're out of God's will, you're miserable as anything. There is, there is nothing more miserable than being out of God's will. And it's a difficult place to stay in. <laughs> You want to get back into where God's will is for your life. And so God knows this. And why are you miserable? Not because God's making you miserable. It's because you are made for a certain position in life. And when you're out of position, you're uncomfortable. You know, I could sit in this chair this way, or I could sit with my legs here and my head here leaning up against this. That's not what the chair, that's not how I'm supposed to sit in the chair. Same with our life. There's a certain position that God has for us to be in that is a comfortable position. Is there resistance? Yes. Is there things you're going to overcome? Yes. But you're going to overcome them by the Spirit, and you're in that place of rest in Him, not in an uncomfortable position. So pay attention to these things. When you're doing something and you're saying to yourself, ah, this is not, something's not right here. Don't do it anymore. Ask the, or stop. Ask the Lord and see what it is. What is it that is not right? Because you may not know what it is. A lot of times I'm like, something's not right, but I don't know what it is. So, so don't just like make a decision on that because you're not sure what it is. It's not right yet until the Lord tells you. Um, I've had times where, you know, the, you know, sometimes you can sense a spiritual attack, if anybody's ever had that. A spiritual attack is mental. Just so you know, it's mental. It's a mental attack. If you're ever under an attack, just understand that that comes in your mind. Prince of the power of the air, that's his realm, is the mind realm. He'll hammer you over and over and try to break through, and you resist him by submitting to God. When you submit to God, it resists the devil, and then he will flee from you. He will just go away. So you resist him by submitting to God. For example... This is going to happen to you, and that's going to happen to you, and this is going to happen, and this is good. Well, it may not happen to you, but it's going to happen to somebody you love. Oh, sounds like the devil to me. And then what do you say? You find what God has spoken to your heart. No, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. 
I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence, from the things. A thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but none will come near me. Only with my eyes will I behold and see the reward of the wicked. You can speak God's word and you can speak God's will over your life. And you could say, God has shown me my future. Let me show, let me show you, Satan, your future. Oh, he'll flee then. Because he knows what his future is. So you resist him by submitting to God. And then he flees. Okay? So these are just practices that the Spirit of God is showing us. How do we come into this place of rest? How do we come into this place where we're resisting things that come against us spiritually? If you are being attacked, you're being attacked in your mind. That's where the attacks come from. They come from the mind realm. It's the devil at the thinking level. That's how it works. So you resist him with the word spoken. You don't resist him with thoughts. Don't rationalize and reason with demonic thoughts. You resist them. I'm not going to acknowledge that. God says this. God says that. God says this. God says that. Isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that how he resisted the devil? It is written. It is written. Oh, it's written here, Jamin. Don't you see? There's a time to die. Your time is near. <laughs> you know, it's like, it also says, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. You have to know the word in your heart. Remember what Kenneth Hagin had to do? He was getting his healing and Satan was coming at him with thoughts left and right. This scripture and that scripture. And he just read his Bible over and over and over. And he realized by revelation, it was God's will for him to be healed, for him to be well, for him to be whole. And he spoke that word. You know, Jesus went about doing good and healing all. You know, you have to know what God's will is in your heart. Where does it come from? It comes from knowledge of his will, which he wrote out in the Bible. He wrote his will. Now, is every scripture God's will? No. You have to just divide the word of truth. <laughs> just read every, well, it's in the Bible. It must be true. Well, it was, it was truthfully written, but it may not be a truth for you. You guys know that about the Bible? You read a scripture, it's truthfully written down, but it may not have anything to do with you, and it may have to do with something else. You have to divide the word of God. You have to look at what that scripture means in its context and what it means in Christ. What does it mean in Christ? Because that's where you are. You're in Christ. Yeah, but it said that the, the nation of, of, of Russia will come and destroy us. Uh, no, it does not say that in the Bible. It does talk about Gog, though, Jamin. That's Russia, right? And this, people take these scriptures and they just go into this fantasy land of, of interpretation where it just means just about anything. That's, God's word is not about that. It's not about taking scriptures and just taking them into some fantasy world that, you know, as they sell, say, sells lots of books. You know, the word of God is divided by the spirit of God. So we need to do that. We need to take God's word, divide it, put it into its context, of what it was actually spoken, okay? So let's take a look at a couple things here. Any questions? Okay, so I'm gonna show you some things. So this could be something you've heard before, but it's good to remind ourselves of things, right? Be reminded. So in Ephesians 4 and verse 21, I'll read it in the Passion Translation. Ephesians 4, 21, it says, if you have really experienced the anointed one, I like that. 
experience the anointed one. It's not just like, do you mentally agree about the anointed one? No, you've had an experience with the anointed one and heard his truth. It will be seen in your life. For we know, now it's in italic, so that actually doesn't say that in the original. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that sprang from delusions. Can I talk about delusions? The sinful and deceitful desires spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that has been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him for God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So that's good, right? So be transformed. Well, how are you transformed? As you embrace the glorious Christ within. In other words, how do, how do we take these thoughts, these desires that are not of God, how do we take them and how do we get rid of them, you want to say? How do I get rid of these, Jamin? Well, you don't get rid of them. You become transformed. Listen, there's always going to be birds flying over your head. They're just, their thoughts. They're not going away. They're still there. There they are. But you can, as Kenneth Hagin used to say, keep them from building a nest in your hair. That's what a lot of people do is the birds come over and next thing you know, they'll have a little nest there of birds. Well, what happened there? Well, you didn't get rid of them. You didn't let them keep going by. Sometimes people feel condemned because there's a thought. Well, the thought didn't even come from you. It came from the wicked one. So why, why be upset about him you know he's just doing what he does just resist him ignore the devil ignore him ignore thoughts ignore ideas and i have to tell you church does a lot to build up the devil's thoughts because they reinforce it over and over again got to teach about sin jamin i don't have to teach about sin i can teach you what to do about sin resist it embrace the glorious christ within as your new life who am i Am I just an old sinner? No, I've been recreated in perfect righteousness. So now things that are in my, because this is what ends up happening, right? You have a new project. You have a new plan. You have different things. And you're working, 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 right? And God may have brought that thing to you. But come into God's rest. Be transformed by Christ within as your new life. Live in union with him. God has recreated you. So one of the things that I have to always emphasize is that when you go into the new, you leave the old. This is really hard for people because they like the old. <laughs> they have, um, what's the word, nostalgia for the old. Who doesn't? Good things from the past nostalgia. I had a good time with my friends. We were partying. We were doing this and that. Okay. I got some good memories. You also have some bad memories that you're not remembering, by the way. <laughs> but you have nostalgia. Isn't that what nostalgia is? You're, you're nostalgic. You know, oh, they're just nostalgic for the old ways. I'm nostalgic for the ways in the Middle Ages when things were simple. Well, they also were disease-ridden and there was a lot of other issues too. So as much as you have nostalgia for that time, you have to realize there were also some very bad things. You know, and people have nostalgia for their old ways before Christ. So they say, well, I have nostalgia. 
Yeah, but you you're ignoring the disease-ridden environment you were in. And you're only looking at things that you thought were good, people who desire to go back into the world. And sometimes the enemy does get a foothold in people's mind, and they do go back. They do. It does happen. It happened in the scriptures. They get nostalgia for their old way. But according to the scripture here, it says this. It says, the ultimate reality is in him. And then it says, let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self-life. Now, does that mean you don't go out and have a fun time with your friends? No, it doesn't mean that. You know what the scripture says. Look, I'll show you some of the things. If you go up here, verse 17. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord. So what are the old ways? Let's clarify. Because you remember what we said about holy and not holy. Oh, going out on a boat, you know. No, that's not what... That's not an unholy lifestyle. Playing golf a lot. No, I mean, if you enjoy golf, fine, play golf. You know what I'm saying? That's not what it's talking about. This is what it says. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusion. So when you don't believe, okay, you live in a delusion. That's basically what it's saying. It has nothing to do with the place that you're at or whatever. It has to do with the delusion. Their corrupted logic, okay, so it's, it's logical, but it's corrupted. So remember what I said about God. He's okay with you thinking. It's just what you're thinking about, okay? Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. So what is it? It's these ideas, these concepts that separate people from God. I was, I was going over like these different spiritual practices somebody was talking about. Well, I've heard about this spiritual practice and that spiritual practice and that spiritual practice. And I said, do you know what they did? And they're like, what? I said, they took everything that you find in the scriptures they put it in a book and took God out of it so that you can do it by yourself without him. No relationship needed. No forgiveness of sins needed. You can live the life that you're living, but now you've incorporated spiritual activity without ever submitting yourself to Christ. You don't need to submit yourself to Christ, and you can still be very spiritual. So they wrote books like this. I could name them, but I won't. But you could, they have these books, these different spiritual practices you can do, you know, spiritual and you know where some of them they got from? They got it from the church. They got it from us. We're the ones that did them. But they took it and they sucked God out of it so they could keep continuing. Now, what happens when you keep these type of practices over and over? They become more and more depraved. Because this is what it says here. It says, blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Well, I believe in the greater consciousness mind. I believe in the, what is it called? When they all have one mind, they think together. What is that? A something something mind, um, you know? Unified. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They all they're yeah some some spiritual higher consciousness. Okay, so could you say God is a higher consciousness if you want to? But you have to understand that He's Yahweh, His Son is Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. He He saved the world from their sins. But when people refuse to turn from their sins, okay, and I'll get into it here they refuse to turn from their sins and, and accept not behavior modification. The, the, the gospel's not a series of you need to take your bad behavior and make a good behavior. That would be called the law, and that doesn't actually work because people can't do it. It's too hard. So, but what they can do is accept their identity in Christ, the Messiah, as their true identity and reject anything else that is given to them. Reject anything that is not Christ. 
but accept him and accept what he did on the cross for their sins. You see the difference between the two? So you can't just go in and say, this is why it's corrupted logic. They took prayer, but you're praying to yourself, which is super waste of time. I see them. They have these little memes online now. Just believe in yourself. You're your higher power. Just do this and that. But they've sucked God out of the whole thing. There's no, God is not necessary, right? But what does it allow you to do? It doesn't have to do with you just rejecting God. It has to do with you rejecting what God has asked of you. And that is that you would become submitted to him and leave behind. Because listen, in his heart, in his desire, is the greatest, most amazing life you have ever seen or could imagine. But what kind of things do people add in? Verse 19, because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. And this is the kind of stuff you see in the world. As people become more mature in sin, this is what their lives turn into. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. You see? So turning away from the ancient man who lives this life and turning into Christ within you who is righteous, holy, just. It's his blood that cleanses us. It's his life in our life. You see the difference here? So there's a lot of of spiritual teaching where they took God out of it. And they said, oh, well, that's not necessary anymore. We can just... And then they have one where kind of like wheel of gods, where they just spin the wheel of gods and whatever God it lands on, well, that's the one you should worship, right? So these are all men's ideas, men's concepts, creating their own gods in their likeness. That's why they're so immoral, by the way. If you ever take a look at the Greek and Roman gods, they are super immoral. Why is that? Well, because men made them (laughs) and they made them to be like them and they were just nasty. So now they have nasty gods that represent them, okay? Okay. That's just wheel of gods. That's no fun. You know, at the end of the day, you're back to worshiping yourself again. And what do you have for yourself? Nothing, right? So this stuff as it builds and develops. So what he's saying is, and I'm, I'm showing you all of this so that you know what he's saying when he's talking about turning away from something, turning away from the soul. Remember how I said at the beginning, the soul's wanting to conquer. It wants to dominate, right? Break through, you know? And then what ends up happening is it twists itself and its logic becomes corrupted. Because it's not centered in love. Oh, love is love. No, there's different kinds of love. And lust is not love. It's lust. It's, it's, it's a desire to get something else that's not you, that's not from God. It's a covetousness of, a, of, a, of another person. What a terrible thing. Leave that. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you don't need that. You don't need any of that. God doesn't want you to go from lust to lust, from desire to desire. His desire is for you to be revealed in Christ and leave behind that other stuff. You don't need it. And listen, if you have a problem with it, just say, write it down on a piece of paper, crumple it up, flush it down the toilet or throw it in the garbage and say, that's it for that. I'm not going to be bothered by that anymore because I'm, I'm in Christ. And I'm just going to ignore that and I'm going to move on to something that's good in him. You see what I'm saying? These are real things. Remember what I said at the beginning. Why am I bringing this up? Satan attacks us in the mind. We don't fight him with other thoughts. We use the word of God and our identity in Christ to say, no, that's not me. I am who I am because of Jesus. So if you have already experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, 
It will be seen in your life. For we know the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. So again, taking our thoughts, taking our mind, taking the things that we have in our soul, concocted, I'm going to do this, and, and then putting it under into subjection to Christ. And again, for everybody, that's different. Not everybody faces the same things. Everybody's different. You know, some people are dealing with this, dealing with that, dealing with the other things. Guess who knows all this? Jesus. So just say, Jesus, I submit to you. I submit to your will for my life. What is your will? Well, that I live righteous and holy. <laughs> that is actually his will. You know what I'm saying? So if you're like, ah, I shouldn't be doing that. That's right, because you're submitting yourself to the will of the Father. And so as you do that, you're going to grow and mature. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. Now it's time to be made new. So revelation, that comes from Christ. Revelation comes from Jesus. He is the word. Revelation of what? Revelation of who we are. Revelation of Christ in us. Be transformed. See, people want to be reformed. They actually have a reformed uh, denominations too. They want to be reformed, but you're transformed. You know, I always think of like Star Trek or something. You know, it's like when they do, they, they get beamed from one place to another. I mean, they just got, tra they just got transported from one place to another with like this little, little, I don't know what that is, little light dots, you know, and here they are here and then they were there and it's like, whoa, what happened? In other words, what's happening to you is a lot more, um, is a, is very, uh, startling <laughs> Yeah, in Christ in a good way. Whenever I say like shocked, you're in awe, people always think of negative things because that's what the earth has taught you to do. But God desires for us to be shocked and awed by him. And that means like the thing is so good. It's so good that you just sit there like, what? I am shocked at how good this is. I had no idea. Like in my mind, it could probably be this good at the very best. And God comes in and he goes, watch this. Well, bam. And you're like, <gasps> you're just standing there amazed in wonder. He's given us glimpses of this in his creation. Have you ever been to places on the earth where you're just in wonder at the Grand Canyon and different things where people are just like, wow. God loves that when we say wow. Do you know one of the words for wow? Holy. Did you know that? When the, when the angels and the elders and they bow down and they say holy at the throne, that's what they're saying. <laughs> they're like, wow, whoa, <laughs> over and over and over and over and over and over. Because God is that big and he's that amazing. So whatever idea that we had about ourselves and things that our soul desired of all these things that God gave us, then we said, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself a, a name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a name for myself on the earth. And I'm going to exalt myself on the earth. And I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And the Lord's like, let me show you something. <laughs> it's not like you think. You can play around with your little dead bird that you killed. But let me show you where I would like to play show in my heart, in my desire. Because this is one of the things, when you say, God, not as I will, but as you will, you know what he wills? He wills good things for you. You see? So, yes, is it painful to leave behind the old at the beginning? It might be. Is it suffering? It might be suffering. 
people who you hung out with, when you tell them you don't want to do that anymore, they may not want to hang out with you anymore. And you know what? You're just going to have to deal with it. Because those are the people and those are the circumstances and situations that you're in that are blocking you. And so sometimes we have to make those decisions. You know, sometimes we do. But it's good for us. And does that mean we're supposed to just not be friends with anybody? No, I'm talking about specific types of activities. Things that, you know, we talked in the, in the scriptures, it's called sin. Stay away from sin. Reject sin. Don't hang out with sinning. You know? Well, Jesus was friend with sinners. Yeah, but he wasn't sinning with them. You can be friends with people who do. Listen, people do things that aren't right. It doesn't mean you're not supposed to be friends with people. Of course. I heard that person say a bad word. I should never talk to them again. Well, no, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, is it causing you to say bad words? Well, you know, you need to watch yourself. You just, you just keep a guard over yourself. You just understand, but you're not just being not friendly to people. I'm talking about actively engaging in sinful behavior. Stay away from that. Stay away from influences that are like that. Why is that? Because you said, I'm submitting to the will of the Father. There's a natural outworking to that, the Bible says. You stay away from things that are not helpful in your relationship with God. He's not trying to make your life miserable. He's trying to keep you away from stuff that's destroying you. <laughs> that's all it is. It's very simple. So discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you'll be known as the one who always speaks the truth, for we all belong to one another. But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. You ever get angry? <laughs> Everyone's like, it seems that, that seems to be my way. Well, if you get angry, don't let it control you. Don't even let it stick around immediately. Because again, you might have it, an emotion comes on you. What I say about the birds? Let it pass. The emotion comes, just let it go, right? Because what happens when you take a break for a minute and you think about it? You're like... I don't need to be that angry. And again, what am I doing? I need to give them a piece of my mind. Do you really think giving them a piece of your mind is going to change anything? No. They're going to be like, ooh, I got you now. <laughs> got you mad. You'd say, oh, yeah, well, I got something else to say to you, too. It'll make you even more mad. No, separate yourself from that situation. Don't let your emotions and your passion lead you to do something you shouldn't do. Don't let anger control you. Because what anger, this is the funny thing about anger. Anger, this is what I've learned in my experience anyway, anger tells you that it's making you powerful, but it's not. It's just controlling you. When you get angry, you're like, oh, I'm powerful now. No, you're not powerful. You're actually being controlled by anger. You've actually submitted yourself to something you shouldn't. But that's why it's saying don't let it stick around. Don't condemn yourself if you got angry. Just be like, I'm in Christ, right? You just go back to the word. And could Jesus have an opportunity to be angry? Now, we do see Jesus turn over tables in the temple. That is completely different than when you get angry. I just want you to know that because people use that example a lot of times to make an excuse for their anger, just like they use being drunk. That's the thing about Timothy taking a little wine for stomach's sake. Those are scriptures taken out of context, right? So Jesus turned over those money changers. There was a lot going on there. That was the temple. That's this. That was completely prophetic to what he was doing. And that came from the Father being angry, not Jesus. You see what I'm saying? You're like, I'm angry at them because God's angry at them. You're a liar. God is not angry at them. You are. <laughs> and you're being angry yourself to do your own will. 
You see what I'm saying? They have resisted your will and now you're angry with them. You're not being like God. That's the, that's the anger of man, okay? So it's, f or fuel for revenge, fuel. If I get angry enough, I'll come up with a great revenge concept. They have revenge movies. You ever see the revenge movies? You know, they find the most terrible things you could possibly do to a person or their family or whatever, and then here comes the guy or the girl, I'm gonna seek revenge, and everyone who watches the movie is like, yep, I'd do the same thing. That was terrible what they did. I'd get the same kind of revenge. They get so angry. That is all the soul. You guys realize these movies are like literally just telling you to do what your soul tells you to do, to take that passion, that anger, and find something to do with it. Now, again, fuel for revenge is in italics. This was the translator put that in there. But it's true. People do do that. You know, that isn't in the original scripture. But, um, but again, don't let anger control you, not even for a day. That is what anger does. It becomes a thing that gets people going. You watch the news for five minutes. I'm angry. Why is that? Because that guy's a bozo, right? That's exactly what happens. You watch it. You watch CNN. That Trump is a bozo. You watch Fox. That Biden is a bozo. And now both of you are angry at the opposite party, and you're now easily manipulated, which is why they made you angry. Because they're trying to control you. Ah, well, they call it behavioral psychology. They call it behavioral psychology is what they call it. They know how to manipulate your behavior so that they can control you. They use it in advertising, Facebook, Twitter, even the new Twitter. It's all the same. One giant mind game. Now, where'd they learn that from? The devil. <laughs> they learned it from the devil. And guess who's better at it than them? The devil. He's even better at it than they are. But see, God did not bring us into a kingdom of manipulation and lying. That's why the scripture says right there, discard every form of dishonesty. Yeah, but if I can trick them into it, you don't trick people into stuff. Be truthful. It says you should be one who always speaks the truth for we all belong to one another. Because here's the weird thing about it, okay? This is the thing people don't understand. Well, we're starting to understand. You're connected to everyone in Christ. Everyone is connected. <sighs> okay? So this is, this is like one of those concepts that like when I started to have revelation on it, it was a little overwhelming. But we're all connected in some way, in the spirit. Everyone is connected. You can sense what other people are sensing if you listen. You can hear other people when they're talking. I heard Kim the other day talking. I'm pretty sure I heard Kim talking the other day. Just before she texted me, she, I heard her voice. Clear, like audibly, right? Weird stuff happens because Kim and I are connected on a very strong level, right? But you're connected to everyone in that way, in, a, in different ways. So why would you lie? You see what I'm saying? It's like lying to yourself. I know it seems like a strange concept, but it's true. When you lie to another person, it's like lying to your own self because you're connected to them in a way. And if you build something on lies, you've basically built a false reality. And so that thing just comes crashing down on you. And you don't want to do that. You want to live with truth. So again, don't be angry. Don't get into lying. Don't be manipulated or manipulate. So don't be manipulated. Okay, so like if I say be meek, right? Meek in heart. Jesus said to be meek in heart. You know, so you're not angry, you're meek. But does that mean you're easily to be manipulated? No, you're not going to be manipulated. You're sharp as anything. But you're not going to be angry. But you're going to be meek. You're going to be mild. The Bible says to be mild, meek and mild and low, right? 
but you're not going to be like, oh, I'd like to buy that bridge. <laughs> sure, how much is the bridge that you're selling me? You know, that kind of thing. God didn't ask us to be, he said what? Wise as serpents, innocent as doves. So you can still be meek and mild and sharp and know what's going on, you know? Now, will the world see that as a, as a uh, weakness? They sure will, because they live in a fantasy world. And that's to your advantage. <laughs> because you know. Because you're going to do the thing that love does. And when they're all done, they're like, why did they do that? And you'll be like, because God loves you. And because all this self-promotion, narcissism, greed, money, and all this is worthless. And I know what is worth something, and I'm willing to go low so that I can show it to you. I'm not going to separate myself from you. I'm not going to lie to you. But I'm going to go low to demonstrate God's love to you so that you can see the big picture, so you can see what is actually true. Okay? People love things that are close to them because they did something for them. But what about the ones that didn't do something for you? What about the ones that have nothing to give you? Those are the ones that really are the, that's the gold. That's the best of the best right there. When you're, when you're doing something for someone that could never repay you, you've done it to Jesus. That's what he said. You've done it to me. When you've done it to the least of these people, you've done it directly to me. That's who Jesus is with. That's who he, like you see people and they're in positions and you're like, that person doesn't have anything. They have no friends. They have nothing to give. And when you help that person, you've helped Jesus directly. He said, I will repay you. He's right there with them. Like if you just like, God, open my eyes and look. Oh, there's Jesus. And it's in the lowest of the low, the weakest of the weak, that the world would discard, that the world wouldn't even put any, any mind on. You know, even Jesus himself, the Bible said, if you would have seen Jesus, you would have walked right by him. You wouldn't even notice him. He was because he's just you just look normal. <laughs> you just look like a normal guy. <laughs> just normal guy just walking down and there it was Jesus. You didn't even know it. You didn't even know it was Jesus. And that's the way he always is. He's always like that. You always look back and you say, What about all these things that were happening? And Jesus, is like, did you see me? I'm like, No, where were you? He's like, I was right there. I'm like, no way, that was you. He's like, yeah, that was me. It's good to see Jesus in everything. He's amazing. And he's, he's, he, he hides himself. Why does he hide? He hides himself because he's with the meek and the lowly. It's kind of like a door of entry. The door of entry is in the ground. You got to go through the door first. <laughs> so people want all this stuff. And this stuff is the love of God. It's taking care of people who can't give you anything. It's giving and it's loving people who may not even have love to give back to you. Because they don't know love. That's why you give it. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? The Bible says that we didn't love him, he loved us. It says we didn't love him when he loved us. We didn't even want anything to do with him. In Isaiah, it says nobody seeks after God, not a single person. But he looked. Is anyone seeking me? Nope, nobody. Now, people are like, well, why doesn't God just destroy all the evil? I'm like, well, he would destroy you too then. Do you really want that? <laughs> it's true. It's true. You would be evil apart from God. He's the one that makes us righteous. He changed us on the inside and transformed us. We're not evil now. We're in Christ now. 
But if you want it before Christ, he already did it once, remember? He said, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> He's like, yeah. And I'll let you know I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky so you remember. He's not going to do that again. I was like, whew. <laughs> that was intense. <laughs> not going to do that one again. So we know that it is God's love that is calling us. Okay? It's his love that is speaking. You say, what's the word that's speaking? God's love. And what does it look like? It looks just like Jesus. And how does Jesus look? Raised from the dead, but first crucified. Remember what it says here at the beginning. It says, um, right trying to see if we find out where this one was um you've been to leave behind the ancient man the old self well where where is the old self on the cross the old man was crucified with christ so why i i i feel like i'm dragging around my old self you're not dragging around your old self your old self was crucified with christ I feel like I'm dragging around my old self. That's an imagination. That's an idea. That's a concept, a false reality you created in your head. But your old man was crucified with Christ. You are fully crucified in him. Every man has been crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. That's where your old man is. Well, I'm carrying him around. Sometimes he tries to take over, and then I have to put him down again, and then I have a good one and a bad one and a good one and a bad That is an imagination in your head. It is not reality. The reality is Christ. When I say we leave behind the old man, that means you're leaving behind that old concept you have to yourself. The man is already crucified. You can't re-crucify your old man. He's only crucified once. All of humanity was crucified on the cross in Christ. All of it, once, for all time. It does not have to happen again. We need to have a crucifixion service again where everybody crucifies their old man again and leaves behind all their sin they've been doing this week. That is nonsense. And you will be running on a little circle, a little hamster wheel. You're just running as fast as you can to get better in Christ, but you're not really going anywhere until you accept what Christ has already done. If you think you have to re-crucify Christ, you didn't get it. You didn't understand what he did. You've been crucified with Christ. You've already died in him. When Paul talks about in Romans, I don't know which one I should do, whether I'm good or I'm bad. He's talking about the life that he lived before Christ. You're in him now. So what he's saying here is live who you are. Don't give the slanderous accuser of the devil an opportunity to manipulate you. Verse 27. If any of you has stolen from someone else, never do it again. Instead, be industrious, earning an honest living. And then you'll have enough to bless those in need. And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. You see, you see what's happening here? We're, we're leaving behind that old man, that old idea of who we are, because it was crucified. You were buried and raised, and if you've been baptized, you've encountered that experience where you've gone down in the water and back up again, which is you dying and coming back to life in Christ. That experience, that, that oneness you have with him, you and Christ are one, and when he rose, you rose with him. That's that life is now reminding you of who you are. So he's saying, oh, you used to steal. Well, don't steal anymore. Instead, be industrious. 
earn an honest living and then you can bless other people. In other words, you just reverse that from taking to giving. Isn't that beautiful? Don't let ugly or hateful words come, but let your words become beautiful gifts. You know, I love it when I talk to people who are, um, they call them wooers or whatever. Whenever you talk to them, they always have something really nice to say about you. You're like, I like that person. <laughs> they always have. And you know what it is? You want to you wanna say something nice sincerely, too. You know, if you can't say anything nice sincerely, just sit and think about it for a while, and I'm sure you'll think of something. And say nice things about people, too, when they're not there. That's a big plus. You know, they're not here. Let's talk about them. Yeah, they're really nice, aren't they? They sure are. What if they're not nice? Well, they're sure a snappy dresser. You know, you can find something. <laughs> That's a snappy dresser. That person really knows their style or whatever, you know. You know, they always uh, they take care of their house. I don't know. You can find something. Well, if people say things and you don't feel worthy, you can just be grace, gracious and just say, well, thank you. I appreciate your viewpoint. <laughs> I mean, because people can say things, like sometimes people will say things, um, you know, where you know it wasn't just you, right? So this is my, this is like a personal, like this is a personal thing. I don't know if I have a scripture about it or anything, but um, if people say something nice to me, I just say thank you. Instead of being like, well, you know, there was a whole team and other people were involved. It isn't just me. And is it, you know, if you go on and on like that, it's almost like saying, no, thanks. You know, so like I just accept the gift because they wanted to give it. And I'm like, well, thank you. Even though, you know, it was a team effort or whatever. Um, maybe say that at another time at another. I always accept it as a gift and just say, you know, even if they don't, the fact that they honor you with it. I'm just like, I will accept the honor, not because I need it, but because they wanted to give it more for them than for me. Because do I need a gift? No. Is it nice that they gave me one? Yes, because that's good for them to give a gift and I'll receive it honestly. Like in other words, I understand your perspective. Thank you for it. If that makes sense. Not kind of like in a, even though I may not, and I could be wrong too. They could be right about their compliment. And I could just be seeing it wrong myself. I could just be like, oh, well, maybe I did do a good job on that, you know? Okay, you know? Or I just think about it, just say thank you. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, sometimes people say things and you're like, um, well, do they really mean it? <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's none of my business. I'll be like, okay, thank you. I just, I just leave it. I just take it for what it is and just leave it and just let the Lord, whatever they're complimenting on, you know? The Holy Spirit has sealed you in Jesus mm -hmm. until yeah. until you experience your full salvation, right? Which in the Holy Spirit is our comforter, right? And until you experience your full salvation, so as we learn the ultimate reality, right? People might be giving you gifts of where you're at right now. Right. But Jesus, until we will experience our full salvation. Right. And in that, 
that unworthiness would go away. Exactly. Because you're worthy in Christ, not because of your efforts. You know, sometimes people will compliment you based on your efforts, and you can say, thank you, that is appreciated or whatever but you don't take it in pride you just take it as in a compliment that was given um but you know like our our gracious words could also include um not just compliments but also um uh, hey can i help you with this you know in other words you're you're actually instructing or helping or teaching or whatever that's a good thing too and sometimes that's really hard for people to receive any type of like adjustment because most people think i've got everything together like everybody thinks they have everything together. I shouldn't say most people, everyone does. So if you ever say to somebody, hey, you know what would be a good idea is if you did this, that, and the other. Oh, okay, um, all right, I'll think about that, you know, you know, or you'd be like, oh, thank you so much. I will definitely be considering that in the future. You know, like take things in grace because we don't have it together. You know, nobody really does. So gracious words could also include, you know, because there's people, like, I listen to everybody. Like, I listen to people for what God's put in them, no matter what their background is. I listen to them. You know, I don't, like, judge, like, at least I try not to. If I do, I, I stop. But you don't want to judge people based on their behavior. Listen to what they're saying. They have insight into things that you don't, because God's given everybody grace. So their graces are different than your grace. So I always listen to their grace, because I'm like, oh, what did you get graced with? And they say, and I'm like, ooh, I'll take that. You know, I'll take this, I'll take that. I'm learning and wanting to grow and enjoying the Lord. I'm not trying to like, ooh, be like, you know, make myself a whole lot better, you know, as much as it is just enjoying that aspect and receiving the grace of God that's from another person. So, yeah, so you could say in a way, sometimes when you get a gift from another person through words or whatever, um, that could be the Lord. And that may be one of the reasons why it's so surprising to us, and we're kind of like, huh, we may not be comfortable with it, but God God speaks to us through other people all the time. Now, the devil can use people too, but God does all the time. The good gifts that God brings through people is him showing us in the natural world just exactly what he thinks about us. And sometimes that is, um, you know, we might not agree with it. <laughs> so you kind of put your thought about yourself under God's thoughts about you and say, even though I don't see it, you do. And, and, and what you're seeing is your image reflected in me and, and you know me better than I know me. Because I think we feel like we know ourselves, but we don't. Um, not like God does. Because it says that he tests the mind and searches the heart. Well, if God is searching your heart, your heart must be pretty big. <laughs> so he searches your heart to look what's there, you know, and this is where your motivations come from and your desires come from. They're deep within your heart, deep within this place within you that you don't always bring out because you may not even know it's there, but God does. And so when he speaks a word, he'll speak through every other little Thing you have around yourself and he'll go right through to your heart and you're like bam oh got it and that's where revelation comes from so god is able to do that because he formed you 
other people can't do that. But as we're all submitted to God, this is where these beautiful words of encouragement come from, because as we're all submitted to God, we're able to deliver messages that didn't even come from us. They came from the Lord, but we actually spoke them because God has a voice on the earth through his sons. So we're able to speak those words because we have God's heart in us, even though it didn't originate out of us, it originated from him. And now we can say things about people that we couldn't have ever thought of because God's the one that said it about them. And so we're delivering this package, this little gift to people. And as this little gift is being delivered, what's happening is the fragrance of the knowledge of God is being dispersed across the earth because we have subjected ourselves to the will of the Father within us. And now we can speak words that are beyond our understanding because they're coming from the heart of the Father. And that's the beautiful work that he's put in us. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation, like you were saying in verse 30. So again, this is that maturity that's taking place. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence in your life. So there's going to be, you know, and, and, and <laughs> sometimes, like, especially when you're younger and you're growing up and, 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 you know, you live to the Lord and you have like a presence of God about you. Um, when I was a teenager and I started to grow up and I, you know, cause I love the Lord my my whole life, but people were like, they would get very angry with me, uh, because of me just being myself. Um, it made them very, just me being around them, uh, convicted them and made them angry. And, 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 but I never backed down on it, even though I wished that maybe they would accept me. I knew that they couldn't, but I knew that that was just temporary and I was willing to to let them go, <laughs> even though it was hurtful at the beginning because they were my friends. But because they so, in other words, in order for me to be accepted in that group, I would have to let go of things that are precious to me. And I wasn't willing to do that. And that's really what it's saying in the scripture. You know, if you're, if you're submitting yourself to Christ, you're letting go of things that are from the old man. And you may encounter times where people just don't want anything to do with you because they can sense the presence of God on you and it really convicts their heart. But that's because God's working on them. Let the Lord show them what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're not vibing with another person, okay, you're not vibing with them. That's fine. See what God does, you know? See, see what God reaches out into your heart, but don't feel like you did something wrong because it was just the Lord in you. I mean, unless you did do something wrong and they're just mad at you, <laughs> then you should probably fix that. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, so I don't know, just to kind of wrap it up, I think, you know, what the Lord's just kind of speaking to us today is that there are things that we're going to be moving past and there are things that we're going to be moving into. And the things that are in the past are our old ways of seeing things because, you, you know, you grow up, right? You grow up in the natural you see things certain ways when you're a little kid and you see them different now. Why, why is that? Because you grew up. This is the same in the spirit. You saw things a certain way when in your old man, you came into Christ and now your, your thinking is changing. It doesn't matter how old you are naturally. This is a spiritual thing. People say, well, they've been in the church for 30 years. That has no indication whatsoever of, of their maturity in Christ. They do miracles. Also, not an indication of maturity. You know, that person has a gift to teach. Also, no indication of maturity. That is by the Spirit. The Spirit is actually speaking through the person. They can really preach up a storm. They must be super mature. Not an indication of spirituality at all or maturity. Maturity's sign is love. <laughs> that is how you know 
when that love, because the Bible says that mature love or perfected love casts out all fear. So when you're, the love of God within you is maturing, and as it's matured, fear leaves because fear is torment. Fear is this idea of separation from God. But so as we're growing in him, all that stuff disappears because that love is perfected. So as we're growing in him, these are things. So he's, so in this, in Ephesians 4, this isn't Paul like telling everyone what to do. He's just showing them what's happening to them as they're growing in the knowledge of God. This isn't more laws. You have to do this and you have to do that. This is a natural outworking of the spirit within you as you're submitted to love. As you're submitted to love, this is the kind of stuff that's going to start happening. You're not going to be, for some reason, you don't say ugly words anymore. Why is that? You know, it's because the love of God within you is beginning to grow and mature within you. Um, so lay aside, you know how it says, I like these words, lay aside, put away with, leave behind. You see what I'm saying? When you leave something behind, does that take a lot of effort? No, you basically just dropped it on the ground and kept walking. That's how you have to see it. That's how you have to see it. Just leave it behind. It's not, it's not, Jesus has already brought you into his kingdom. Those old ideas that you had about yourself, just leave them behind. You don't need those anymore. They're not help. They never helped you before and they're not helping you now. No need to pick that back up again. Sound good? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for working in our hearts and, and building us into this beautiful garden that you've put in us and that you are tending this garden. Thank you that we walk in light. We walk in love. We walk in the revelation of who you are. We submit ourselves. We come under Christ today. We just quiet our souls down, quiet our minds down, and just come into subjection to the will of the Father, just pleasing in which he says, you are pleasing to me. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.